Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Uh, we're in that week of, uh, not nothingness, a lot of stories, but the week before Super Bowl week. Next week we'll be live in downtown L.A. Getting ready for the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. Uh, we got a lot to get to here. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports at BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trust name in online sports betting. You must be 21. Present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call one 800 Gambler. Uh, this is interesting. So the Rams, of course, are now in going to be in their second Super Bowl since they moved to Los Angeles. And there's a lot of talk about the fact that the Niners, the Niners fans kind of took over SoFi in both of the Rams' home games. Um, this, was, this was Kevin Demoff, who's the COO, Chief Operating Officer of the Rams, talking about the L.A. market. I think it's an unprecedented opportunity for the Los Angeles Rams. And when you get a chance to play in a Super Bowl, that always helps wins hearts and minds. When you get a chance to host a Super Bowl, that obviously helps elevate your brand, the SoFi Stadium brand, the NFL in Los Angeles as a whole. When you combine those two, it's an unbelievably powerful mix to develop that next generation of fandom. While the crowd certainly had plenty of 49ers, it was an unbelievable atmosphere. And the most important thing we can do to build this franchise after being gone for years is to capture the next generation of fans. Uh, there's so many fans who grew up from 1995 to 2016 without a team to root. Uh, it's our now that we are back in Los Angeles, but there are so many who moved here in that time frame who root for other teams, as they should. But the best way to capture that next generation, it's not about flipping someone who's a fan who grew in Pittsburgh and moved to Los Angeles and become a Rams fan. That's great if it happens. But what it's about is their kids who are 8, 9, 10 years old growing up wearing Cooper Cup jerseys, wearing Aaron Donald jerseys, and becoming lifelong Rams fans. I, I, that was about as well put as you could possibly put it. And it's interesting because your son's not enough. I'm guessing he's going to raise a seat, right? Most your kids are old enough now. Are your kids Rams fans? Well, John's not in today. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, I'm yeah. sorry. I forgot. That's all right. I, I was him as actually John Ramos' son. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, uh, now, now, Sam. I'm a Packer you, fan. You're a Packer fan. I, I do like I, the Rams, though, too. Most people in Iowa are, are Packer Bears, Bears fans, Bears, yeah, right? For sure. Bears are Packers. Bears are Packers. Um, oh, what about you, Jay Stu? You were, have you always been a Charger fan? No, 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 no. This is um, an incarnation in the last 20 years as my son has grown up a Charger fan. So um, I was a, like I, I just said, I was a Marino guy, a Dolphins guy. I grew up five minutes from Anaheim Stadium. Um, so I kind of followed the Rams. But no, no, this is a recent thing for me just because uh, happy son, happy dad, you know? Yeah, no, it's interesting. So I grew up similarly. We, we didn't grow up in the same neighborhood, but I was also five minutes from Anaheim Stadium as well. And my recollection was, Nobody really liked the Rams back then. Exactly. No, they were just, they, they, it wasn't that we didn't, we hated them. You have to, this is a hard one for people to understand. As popular as the NFL is now, it wasn't really that popular then. It just wasn't. The Raiders, Raider games were in LA and it was, that was during the peak of gang wars 
and it was it was one of those no no one from outside of LA would go to would go to USC Stadium the the, the Coliseum and watch a Raider game you know it just it there was too many stories of of opposing fans getting beaten up and whether they were real stories or stories of lore there were some real stories with it but the Raiders were very much uh you know it was very much an LA kind of more of an L.A. sort of team. And the Rams, being in Orange County and having previously been in L.A., they didn't really have a ton of fans in L.A., and it wasn't like they were beloved, and it wasn't like the NFL was really that popular. Remember, this is early 90s when the Dodgers had won a World Series in 88, when the, the when the Lakers had been one of the dominant teams in the NBA for, the, for 15 years with Magic and Worthy and Byron Scott and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? Even the Angels in the late 80s were very good, right? They... They lost to the Red Sox in the playoffs in, in 87. The Rams were kind of an afterthought. I, I think what Kevin Demoff said is totally, if you can get the hearts and minds of kids, if you can get to where they had that one favorite player, that one favorite team, and I, I think the Chargers are in a similar space, obviously, because they have the quarterback. But but this is, it could not have, that. that's actually, we haven't discussed this yet because there's been so many things going on in terms of the rest of the NFL reacting to Sunday's games and then reacting to this Brian Flores story has kind of hijacked the rest of, of, of the sports stories. But what's fascinating about it is Sunday night when the Rams qualified for the Super Bowl and they won the NFC in that building, it's, and, and I don't believe for one second that the league wanted it to happen, but this is a major, that was a $5 billion building. They paid almost a billion dollars to St. Louis to get in this recent lawsuit so that St. Louis would leave them alone about a football team, and they're never going to get a football team ever again, right? And yet all of it came together or is going to come together Super Bowl Sunday. And it's, it's really interesting, you know? Like the, Ra- the Raiders thing is going to work in Vegas, and they're going to have a, they're going to have a Super Bowl there. It's become a major league city. I think the Raiders will experience some of the same stuff, right? Where they'll have some games where it's 50-50, although there's a huge, there's always been a big Raiders fan base in Las Vegas anyway. Very popular team in Vegas, very popular team in parts of Northern California, a popular team in the Inland Empire, popular team in Southern California. So they'll they'll they won't have trouble getting fans, but they'll but there will be the fans that fly in. Whereas in Los Angeles and Southern California, plenty of people not only grew up other places but were fans of other teams for a long time. And I don't think you're going to most people don't change who their team is. They may be attracted to a player, like an OBJ or like an Aaron Donald or or, or a Cooper Cup. Uh, but I do think that it if you can if you can get them when they're young. Because that's, that's my story, right? I was, a, I was 94. I wasn't that young, but I was a high school junior, 93, 94. They leave, and I became, right? The Chargers were good then. They had Natron Means Business and Stan the Man Humphreys. And, of course, everybody loved Junior Seau. That'd be, I was like, I like the Chargers. They always had cool uniforms. The lightning bolt was cool. They were good. That became my team. I'm sticking with them. It's, it's those impressionable years where you decide 
And we've kind of made it where in sports, like, you can't switch teams. You know how many teams? I lived in New England. I lived in Connecticut for 12 years. You know how bad I wanted to be a Patriots fan? But I'm not a Patriots fan. I can't become a Patriots fan. I can't be that guy. But I loved how the Patriots just found a way to win. You know? I like most of the culture of the Ravens. Love to be a Ravens fan. But I'm not from Baltimore. It's not my team. I'm not going to sit there and all of a sudden become switch colors. I'm going to suffer through this thing. And I'll... There will, there will be a January and a February when I have my time. It might not be now. I may be an old man, but it'll happen. Now, Bayer, Bayer you're a, a Seahawks fan. Yes. Has there ever been a thought where, now, like your son, who's not yet able to choose, he's going to be a Seahawks fan, isn't he? Yeah, I hope so. I've got Seahawks onesies. You know, we've gotten great gifts from people. Seahawks bibs, little, uh, you know, baby shoes, stuff like that. Uh, a nice, beautiful blanket that, that someone made. Yeah, I, he, is, he is set up to be a Seahawks fan nine months in. Mm. Mm. Yes, Jason Dirt. Do you think, Doug, that if, uh, if there was a, a brand new franchise, not a relocation, but uh, a startup franchise in any market that's never had the NFL, do you think the COO's marketing plan in that market is, hey, we're playing the long game. You know, This isn't for the now, it's for the next 10 to 20 years. If it was in some random city, and I, for whatever reason I'm drawing a blank, same city in Iowa or whatever, you would think that they would just have – those fans are going to be your fans from day one. I, do you think this is a, is a Los Angeles-specific issue? Yes. yes. Yeah. I think it's Los Angeles-specific because, because they had teams. Like it's a, it's, a, it's a very different market than any other place in the world, right? They had the number one market, lost two teams, and didn't have them for 20 years. Meanwhile, the, the entire league like blew up in terms of popularity. I just the whole thing's crazy. And oh yeah, by the way, like during those twenty years, you had a like a five year span where uh, where the the big college football program was the best college football program on earth, right? Like all of these things. So it wasn't that football wasn't popular. Football is very popular, but it, it it's a TV sport, and you got to choose what you watch. You got to watch. Remember when when LA didn't have a team. You had two games on in both windows. You'd have two games in the morning and two games in the afternoon. And so, so what, what would happen? You, you get to watch the biggest games, the best teams. The Cowboys run every week. Get, uh, the Cowboys train in Southern California. I believe the Cowboys are the most popular team. The Raiders run every week. The, the teams that are, were on TV for 20 years were the good ones and the Raiders. And guess who's popular in Los Angeles? Wait for it. The Cowboys. Granted, they weren't great, but when those teams left, that's when the Cowboys were at their peak, winning three Super Bowls, including one in Los Angeles. Okay, the Niners, who've been really good. The Steelers have been really good. And honestly, the Rams, because the Rams went through a time when they were really good, and they were on TV a bunch. Those are the most popular teams. Even the Patriots are very popular when they come to town. Why? Because during those 20 years when L.A. didn't have a team, do you know who was good? The Patriots. So who was on TV? The Patriots. It really is that simple. Really is that simple. We have, uh, we have two tangible examples um, in the last 25 years, right? Cleveland lost their franchise and then uh, and Houston lost their franchise. And I got the feeling back then that both cities were just starving to get a team back. 
And in the 20 years that, that there was a football team, that there wasn't an NFL team in this market, I just I don't remember having a conversation with my buddies being like, man, we need the NFL here. Like I always thought that was a media creation and the NFL's desire to be back. But I never got the sense that we were like th- real thirsty for a team out here. Um, no, but you also, I don't think people knew what they were. All, uh, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a lot to it, okay? So... I said this when the when the Chargers left San Diego that people just did not understand. They just they 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 can't fathom how important having a team and having a stadium is. I understand that there might be, we you didn't know what you didn't have because you didn't have it for so long, and why you needed it. It 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 gives it gives your city something, but also that building is incredibly important. What are they going to get at the at SoFi? They're going to get the national championship game. They're going to get a Final Four. They're going to get every big concert. That's what San Diego would have had. San Diego would have hosted uh, national championship games in college football. It was supposed to be a dome. They would have gotten the Final Four. Heck, I, I'm, I'm guessing at some point in time the Lakers play a game in SoFi. Not, not out of their own possibility. Very likely, whenever LeBron James's last year is, they'll play a game in SoFi. Get 120,000 people in there. Going to happen. Has to happen. Why wouldn't it? Especially with the Clippers building another building down the street. The Lakers, Inglewood has always been city of champions where the Lakers call home. They're going to they're gonna mark their territory at some point. Right? That whole thing makes sense. So I understand there, was, there didn't seem to be a thirst. Like nobody was sitting there going like, you know what I really want is to spend $500 on a ticket and $150 on parking. You know, and go see a go see one game when I could sit on my couch and for free watch any game I want. You know what's really interesting, Doug, is you just brought up the Lakers and Clippers and Vito, uh, Vito Violante, our imaging director here. I remember him saying a couple of years ago because he had a young son that when he would take his kid to the park, the basketball courts were sponsored by the Clippers. And there is such a divide between the Lakers' success and obviously the Clippers' success, but even the Clippers are kind of taking the Rams' approach to be like, okay, we're not going to maybe take over the Lakers in this town, and we're not going to be able to grab that pie right now, but if we can start young enough and grab those fans when they're at the park shooting hoops and seeing the Clippers' logo, that gives us a start you know, for 20 years down the line where maybe they, they hope to be. And I think that's part of the vision that the Rams hope to have, although the Rams just aren't competing with another squad with the Lakers brand, but I, I see parallels. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, you know. Well, I, I don't know. I feel like the the now the the Chargers are they're trying a whole different way. They're gonna try and they're gonna have a facility in El Segundo, so they'll be in Los Angeles, whereas right now neither team trains in Los Angeles. Right? They're both really forty five minutes to an hour away. The Rams are further away than the Chargers are. They're in Thousand Oaks, right? So I think that part, I don't think that resonates with fans at all. I don't think they care where you live or what you do. It's just how you play. I mean, the, the best way to get fans is two things. Have a really good team and have cool colors. And they both have both. The Rams are just better. And that's why people be fans. My son was like, He's had a bunch of people go, are you a Rams fan? Like, no, I'm, I'm going to root for the Rams in the Super Bowl. Maybe. He really likes Jamar Chase. I'm going to root for the Rams in the Super Bowl, but I'm a Charger fan. So I, I, the, the, the Lakers thing is going to be interesting because LeBron is not cre- – I don't feel like – you guys could tell me, I don't think he's super popular with most adult 
Laker fans. Um, I, I still think that because he's LeBron, he's crazy popular with kids. And I do think that the Clippers, if they could ever get healthy and ever make a legit run and win a thing with it, I think they're doing all the right things. But it's going to be really hard because the Lakers have, you know, 50 years of incredible success and they have LeBron, which covers up for so many other flaws within the organization and the team. I mean, LeBron is LeBron is one. He's been so good for so long and he's like a he's like a cartoon character like he's. He's a freak of nature. He's six foot eight, two hundred sixty pounds. He's literally bigger than life. And you know, Kawhi Leonard, I think, is a great player. And last year, when healthy, I think he was a better all-around player than LeBron was. But trying to convince a kid that a guy who you never hear speak and wears some New Balances is a better player than LeBron James, again at this point in time in his career, and now he's not even on the floor. That's a hard sale. But I do understand what you're saying. Win the hearts and minds of the kids, and that, that's, that's the long game. That's the long game. Um. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. So I saw this, and it's interesting. You know, we talked about a couple days ago how it was weird. It was curious, at least, that Tom Brady, you know, he didn't mention the Patriots in his retirement goodbye. You know, he had how many pages was it on on IG, you know, and he doesn't even mention the Patriots. No mention of them. And if you think we're the only ones who saw it, I think what you should do is check out uh, check out some of the other stuff that's happened on social media. Uh, Eric Mangini will join us in a second, but there was an incredible post from Bill Belichick calling him the greatest football player ever. The same with um, the same with Robert Kraft and the Patriots, and of course Tom Brady did then. What what is that called, Jay Stu? What he did, where you post a little remark on somebody else's post. He didn't reply. It was something else. Is that a uh, repost? No. Uh, no. Quote tweet. No. No. <laughs> um, I was saying, what would you call that? Where where you comment on like you like take like a photo and then you type in your own like what he did to Belichick's post. I don't know what you call that in today's parlance. Dan, I, I, thought, I thought quote tweet was how it's now phrased. If that's, but that's yeah. if you quote tweet. What he did was it's an Instagram post, and then he or on his Instagram post, regram. He he he, he, well, he reposted, but then he posted like a little message over the top. Greatest coach ever, Bill Belichick. It's almost like oh my god, I can't believe they saw that. I forgot to put them on there. Now let me make it out like I was just I, I, I yeah you guys are the greatest ever. It was so weird. So awkward. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Eric Mangini joins us. He's been a head coach with the Jets, he's been a head coach with the Browns. He's a Fox Sports One NFL analyst. Okay, so Eric, when you got the Jets job, who was the GM originally? Uh it was Terry Bradway and eventually it was Mike Tannenbaum. 
Okay, so did you have a relationship with Terry before you interviewed for the job? I didn't know Terry, but I knew Mike from working there before with Parcells, and I had known him for a long time. So that was my my main connection. And, um, you know, I'd gotten to know Terry a little bit through Mike, but I didn't have a, a relationship with him. All right, inter- during the interview process, h- how important was a pre-existing relationship with any of the organization in order to work there? Well, look, that was a uh, unique situation because I had been there three years before I had gone to the Patriots. So I really understood the building. I knew a lot of people that were in the building. Um, you know, I, I had a, a really good relationship with Mike, who was close with Terry. But I'm sure that all played a part in, in why I got the interview. Huh. Um, what, 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 what's your, what are your thoughts as somebody who's been through this process several times over? Been hired twice, been fired twice. Like, you know how hard these jobs are to get, how hard these jobs are to keep. Uh, in in Brian Flores and and his accusations of what's going on in the NFL. Well, relationships with, with all the hiring is, is a big part of it. And you, when you get a job, you want to be able to be confident that the guys you're bringing in are guys that philosophically believe in the same things that you believe in and uh, I, if you if you know them, if you've worked with them, that's that's a real plus. If you know people that have worked with them and and advocate for them strongly, that's a real plus. It's it's a it's a big relationship business, and and that's it's not like you just put your your resume in and suddenly they they pluck you out of the blue. Now that being said, you also work really hard. To make sure that you have the best staff, you don't want to just hire guys because they're friends of yours. You want to hire guys because they're the best guys. Right. And part of that equation, though, is what you personally know about them and what what you've experienced with them. That that's a huge plus. Yeah. No, I I it's the the Dayball thing is. I mean, it's fascinating where whatever if, you know Belichick. I, I, th- nobody spreads rumors more than coaches, right? I'm sure you know this, where I mean, in basketball, you get texts all the time, heard this guy's going here and this guy's going there. And this is like months before it happens. But the day ball thing does make sense because you have a, a guy who's in Buffalo. He's the assistant GM. The hot coach out of Buffalo is Brian Dayball, who is seen to have uh, have have fixed Josh Allen to where he's a superstar. And when you're trying to fix your quarterback in New York and he has a relationship and he, and the GM seen him work. Like all of that makes a ton of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Typically you, you have a pretty strong idea of, of if you get a job, who you want to bring with you. Now I, I will say though, Doug, if you can get in the room yeah. and, and make an impression, yeah. sometimes, sometimes that changes, but you, you, you go in with a disadvantage if, if the head coach or GM or owner, whoever is hiring, knows knows that person intimately, well, the, seen the, them work and the, the the other part. Sorry, Eric. The, the other part is, and that's the part you I, that I I actually like about taking interviews is you never know not just for that job but for other jobs. Right? There's going to be other people in that room, and like I know for a fact that one of the reasons Flores got the job with the Dolphins was the year before he did some interviews and people were blown away by the guy. They're like, man, this guy's really good. 
He hadn't been a defense coordinator yet. Felt like maybe it was a year or two too soon. But I, I think that is – it's the spirit of the Rooney rule is a good spirit. It's the execution of it which, which seems to be flawed. Yeah. Look, I, I spoke to a head coach uh, right when I left Cleveland, and I had recommended someone, and he, he brought the guy in based off of the recommendation, but he didn't really give him a shot. He, he wasn't looking to hire him. But he got blown away by the guy in the interview, and he ended up hiring him. And and getting him in the room was was a big part of that. And then he had to do the rest. Um, you know, if if you can if you can get in front of someone, as long as it's just not a a lock that that someone else has the job, then you have a you have an opportunity. And I think that's you can make that case a little bit more strongly when ownership is involved. Because the owners don't have the same ties that the the GM has, they're they're looking for whatever's best for the organization, and and they'll definitely trump decisions. Uh, it's Doug Gottlieb's show here on Fox Sports Radio. Let's talk some actual football. Um, what happened to Pat Mahomes in that second half? Uh, you know, it's I. It's it's one of those things where as, as you go through the the course of the season, you saw that that there's that period of time where it almost felt like he had had the yips or or uh, was really was really struggling, and and that happens. And I talked a lot about that, Doug, at the start of the season. Is if you expect Patrick Mahomes to be Superman every single game, at some point you're going to be let down because he he can't you you can't do it week in and week out, and, and sometimes when you're used to doing it and always coming through and then it doesn't happen, that, that can play in, in, into your confidence. In, in the second half, I thought Cincinnati did a lot of good things. I think they, they did a nice job of giving them different looks. They did a nice job of, of switching up the, the coverages, and that threw, that threw Kansas City off some. Uh, you know the the ball that got intercepted was actually a really nicely thrown ball. It just the DB that made a nice play on it. You know the the um, the final one, and then it's but frustrating. There, I'm sure there for were, Kansas City there, fans, but there were some throws that he made. You're like, wow, what is he? I I, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen. And I mean, you know, scrambling around and 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 fumbling on third down before the before the game-tying field goal, right? The only three points of the second half in overtime. There were times in which he just, not maybe not that throw, but other throws where he looked more off in a big moment than I can remember him looking. Well, what, what, was, what was surprising about that, that play in particular is I thought he had a chance with, with Kelsey if he had let it rip early. And then Tyreek Hill, who was on the left-hand side of the offensive formation, had actually gone all the way to the right-hand side, and the DBs blew it in terms of who was supposed to pick him up in the scramble drill, and he was open a- as well. You know, maybe maybe it just wasn't a clean enough look for for Patrick, and he didn't want to take a chance of, okay, if I throw a pick here, you know, we can't kick the field goal. It could have been it could have been that that type of equation too, because he lost the points at the end of the half by making a poor decision. What? Um, how have the Bengals done this? I mean, everybody points to the offense, but the defense—that's that's not a great defense on paper. Yet, 
two games they faced the Chiefs, both games, they got behind but only give up three points in the second half. What's what's the secret sauce to what Cincinnati's doing? Well, I think they've done a really nice job defensively of, of playing well together. And and it is one of those things where as, as you look down the roster, you're thinking, okay, who well, who are the – who are the playmakers? And, and Trey Hendrickson, he, he creates a lot of problems. Sam, Sam Hubbard's done a nice job. They, they've got a lot of guys that have contributed uh, where, where they're, not, they're not necessarily stars, but their contribution has been, has been really good, and collectively it's been really good. And, and I give them a lot of credit from a, from a scheme perspective, too. They they do multiple things. They they disguise pretty well, and and they've been very opportunistic. They lead the the league in the post or the playoff group in the postseason in turnover differential. I think they're at plus four, and and they've had big turnovers in in big moments. The one to end the Raiders game, the two to set up the wins against the you know the one against um, Tennessee to set up the win, and then the one against Kansas City to set up the win. That 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 goes a long way, Doug. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Let's get to the Rams and the Niners. Um, that was a game where the Rams' defensive line stopped the Niners' running game. That that's something that very few teams in the NFL have been able to do when the Niners have been at full strength. What what was it that the Rams were able to do to stymie that vaunted running attack? Well, they they committed to it early. They got really big early. They um, they they brought in uh, extra linebacker type or extra defensive linemen, some extra linebacker types, and there was a concerted effort, obviously, to say, okay, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us with with Garoppolo throwing the ball and and making big plays, and and really early on, there was an opportunity. Um, down the middle of the field that, that Jimmy missed a huge. It would have been, it would have been a huge play. But that's because they were so committed to stopping the run and off play action. And then you know, you're going to give up some things when, when, when you when you take away some things. And, and unless your opponent can really make you pay for it, that they don't get you out of it. Um, what about Stafford? I mean, I, I, we'd, we'd long heard about the arm talent. And I always thought, well, what would it be like if he played in a system that fit him better, surrounded with better players, better coach team? He did have that kind of arm punt that Tart dropped. Are you convinced that Stafford is a big game quarterback? Yeah, he's he's played really well all throughout the playoffs. And Odell Beckham's been, been huge for them. Everybody's pushing coverage to, to Cup, and Odell – has plenty of opportunities and Stafford's gotten the ball and, and, and he's been able to come up with, with some major, major plays. I think it's going to be the same thing in the Super Bowl. They're going to have to deal with trying to, to stop Cup and Odell's going to have huge opportunities and, and Stafford's done a nice job getting him, getting the ball and taking advantage of that. Who do you and, like? And really, there, there, was the one, there was the one interception that, that was dropped and there was the one that was in the end zone early in the game. But for the most part, I think Stafford's done a nice job of not taking too many chances, not trying to to force things, and 
and it's looked good. It's looked really good. And they haven't run the ball well at all throughout the playoffs. Okay. Do you think that who do you think wins the Super Bowl? I I really like Cincinnati because they they remind me a little bit of where we were in New England the first time we won the Super Bowl. I mean, when you look at it on paper and coming off of, of a 5-11 and season, nobody really gave us an opportunity, but at, at that point, or, or gave us a chance, but at that point, there was, there was a collective confidence and determination, and the sum was greater than, than the parts. So I like, I like Cincinnati. Tom Brady retired. You, you got a chance to coach and, and coach against him. Right? If you could explain to somebody who has no idea other than he just he wins. Well, he wins. Okay, well, he's been a part of winning teams. How would you describe what made him now considered the greatest quarterback of all time? Well, there's, there's a lot of things. One thing is that he, he was really smart, okay, and there's a lot of guys that are really smart. But he, he studied and he, he consistently built on the, on the reps that he took, on the experiences that he had. And he could come to the line of scrimmage, and if you showed him what you were in, he was going to get the ball to the right place. Because there's always an answer in every, in every pattern for every coverage. And if you showed him, he was going to take advantage of that. He was extremely demanding of the people that played around him to be in the right spots. If you were in the right spot, it didn't matter if you were a star or not a, a star. He was, he, it was a meritocracy. He was going to throw you the ball. But if you weren't, he wasn't. So, so that elevated players that, that typically you wouldn't think should be as successful as they were. And then he was extremely coachable. No matter how much fame, success, money, he could be coached just as hard as anybody else and when you have that in a locker room, it's incredibly powerful. If everybody walks in and says, okay, well, he's, he's open to this. He's, he's trying to improve. He's doing the things that, that they're asking him to do. How, how can I not try to, to, to emulate that? And then there was the, the sense that you didn't want to let him down. You knew that if you had time, you had a chance, if you just held up your end of the bargain. And so you didn't want to be the reason that, that you didn't win. And that elevated everybody as well. Do you, do you think he meant to not mention the Patriots in his last goodbye? You know, he, he's such a good guy that, you know, I'm sure some people consider that or could consider that to be malicious. But I, I do think that at the end of the day, New England really didn't want him. And New England broke up with him and he went and and proved that he could succeed outside of the system in in a totally different environment and uh you know i'm sure there's there's a little bit of hurt feelings there now that'll all go away and at the end of the day you know he's he's a patriot first but we all know it, it can be hard to get over a breakup yeah yeah absolutely can uh, Eric, you're the best. I hope you're coming out for the Super Bowl. Look forward to seeing you if you do so. In the meantime, thanks so much for joining us. Awesome, Doug. I'll talk to you soon. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. 
Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. Let's find out what the Fox said. And now. <laughs> what does the Fox say? Uh, this is Colin Cowherd with his thoughts on Jim Harbaugh not getting the Vikings job. The days of Bobby Knight yelling and screaming, running the show, those, 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 those days are over in sports, okay? Jim Harbaugh didn't get this job because he's not as collaborative. And I'm a Jim Harbaugh fan. He thought he had this job. But Jim Harbaugh's intense. And there are several teams in this league, and I've been told this by people who like Harbaugh and think he's a great coach. 44-19-1 as a head coach in the NFL, three playoff runs, and a Super Bowl. A third of the teams in this league would not interview him. So yesterday, I spent a lot of time defending Brian Flores. And I think he's a great coach, and I would hire him today in New Orleans. But he fired three offensive coordinators and was not terribly collaborative with his GM. That is something the NFL is moving away from. If it was just about winning in the National Football League, Jim Harbaugh would have to be the number one candidate for every job. Most of the jobs wouldn't interview him. He's not collaborative. It's kind of Jim's way. And I think he's great. But what you're seeing in the NFL happening right now you know, Mike Ditkin, Buddy Ryan getting into a fist fight. Like, those days are over. You've got to be collaborative. You've got to work well with others. Um, yeah, I, I think that's part of it. I don't think that's all of it. But it is a brilliant point that's really made, which I don't know if Colin knew he was making it when he made it, which is... Your resume of success is not necessarily why you get hired. And I think it's going to be fascinating. I'll put together at the top of next hour the parallel between that and Brian Flores looking for work. All right. Uh, We got that. Armando Salgaro will join us as well. We'll get his thoughts on the Dolphin situation. All that upcoming next on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. 